0: Witches. Thank you for joining us on our Modern Witches podcast. This series is a space for musings on the diverse pathways of witchcraft, intuitive inspiration, and spiritual activism. We cannot wait to revel in what is bubbling away in our cauldron of collective magic. I am your podcast host, Casey Zabala, creatrix and gatherer of Modern Witches. My hope is that our community fosters a greater depth of understanding of witches everywhere, so that we may cultivate hope for the future of humanity, a humanity that honors and upholds magic as a sacred thread that illuminates our connectivity. This season of the podcast, our focus is on magic. What is it and how does it make itself known? Be sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to get more intimate with modern witches, check out our Patreon. Join us at the familiar level for secret discounts or at the coven level to access our live monthly coven circles. Your patronage goes directly to funding the work of our Integral Justice and Liberation Committee, who supports our mission of being anti-racist, anti-fascist, and truly inclusive for all. Learn more at modernwitches.org. Hello and welcome to the Modern Witches podcast and YouTube channel. I am Casey Zabala, she, her, your host. Um, and I am very excited to be talking with Rohini today who has taught workshops with modern witches since the beginning really. It's, I feel like we've been collaborating for a long time and um, I don't even know how we got connected but I'm so glad we did. And I'm excited to just chat to you about magic today. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show, Casey. And it's it's truly my honor. I was so excited for the invite, and I was, as you said, I don't remember how we got connected, but I think I contacted you like early in the pandemic. But I don't know why or how. But it just felt it's great. magical. Since yeah, I love that. So thanks for having me here. So and chatting with me about magic. Yeah. <laughs> Do
0: you want to introduce yourself and give give folks a sense of who you are? And
1: yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, my name is Rohini Maradi Sheher, and I I have a hard time defining myself. But these days, I'm calling myself an Akashic Records explorer. And Akashic Records only for SEO purposes. I would just call it Akasha Explorer. <laughs> Love it. But um, yeah, I, my background is um, I grew up in a Hindu temple in Iran where my father was the Pajari and um, spent like half my time in India, half my time in Iran. And finally, my father's temple was seized. So um, we escaped and came to America. And I've been living here since. Like I lived in the Bay Area for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, no no 40 years and then duh I can do math (laughs) and then recently I moved to Nevada City and um I love it we were just chatting about the trees and how amazing they are for the nervous system so I've been doing all my work here um and yeah that's who I am kind of awesome yeah (laughs) it changes on a daily I think (laughs) it
0: totally does it absolutely does I always yeah. like to kind of let people introduce themselves because it is interesting. I find it interesting when I have the opportunity to do that. What comes out of my mouth,
1: to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm like, hmm, how am I going to do Let's see. Like the, the unconscious subconscious will ramble on its own if you let it. <laughs> exactly. And reveal so much. Yep. It does. Yeah. I learned something about myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm curious if you would include in your kind of um, understanding of yourself the the definitive title of which or if which as kind of a label suits you.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because um, early on when I started exploring uh, my past lives um, within the Akasha, like many of us, like that witch moon really came out and I saw previous lives where, you know, I was being prosecuted and things like that. So I went all in and defining myself as a witch just to connect to that past part of myself. But as I like progressed forward, um, I'm realizing that it's really hard to like define myself in any way these days like maybe it's because it's like i'm not worthy i don't do that work or that um i don't put enough time into it so calling myself feels like imposter kind of thing mm-hmm. so these days it's like um i like to leave it all blank in a way i even have a hard time telling people what i do i'm like i don't know i guess like i just help people meditate to like unseen realms It's <laughs> pretty much what i'm doing but yeah, Love I that. don't think. It's hard to even define myself as like a mother, a daughter, a sister. It's like I just want it to be blank right now.
0: You know? Totally. <laughs> I don't that, It's a weird thing. <laughs> it's I mean, I totally understand. I think there's this collective transformation we're all going through and uh-huh. I'm sure we're all going through our own individual transformations and sometimes you need to go back to zero in those times in those like yeah. in that process of transformation
1: absolutely Imagine what it is again
0: yeah
1: yeah that that's exactly what's happening and there are like really early teachings like in hinduism which is my background um where you know they they teach that attachment is like suffering in a way because you define yourself so you pick up characteristics that aren't yours possibly or you try to fit into groups that aren't yours. So it's like that detachment to um, a definition of self is like the most free you can be You like, you can just, you can go in any circle, you can go, you know, have any ideas you want, like any practices kind of thing, like what vibes the most, I guess. But I, I feel like a part of it, and the definition of the self comes from that it just it kind of clicked in my brain one day where I was like oh yeah okay that makes sense I like that okay yeah let's try not defining let's like let's try not being like I am this that that, 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 that. <laughs> totally it's too much work <laughs> yeah it really
0: can be it really can mm-hmm. be especially when we're yeah. always changing yeah exactly uh-huh yeah. I'd love to talk more about your personal lineage and um sort of how that has influenced you um in your spiritual practices. Thank you. Especially yeah with akasha and all of it. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: um it's it's, it's a big it's question. A, yeah, I'm like do I do I tell you how I found the akasha and how that led me, you know, to connecting more with my lineage but I think it's really important like to start it off as you know I was born like two years after the Muslim revolution where Iran was like insanity like all Mm -hmm. my grandparents' friends were being like killed like people couldn't leave the country we were like people are stuck there and right now we're talking at a time where there's like a um a revolt like a revolution brewing Please, you know, begging for that, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was an it was a very interesting time to be a Hindu and a non-Muslim, where the Muslim Islamic Republic was like trying to take over and like, um, so I think that is like the beginning of the definition of yeah <laughs> my lineage. And you know what's interesting is like a few months ago I did a twenty three and Me, because. Growing up, I kept asking my mom, like, okay, what, like, where, what parts of the world are we from? Because everyone I know, like my husband's like, I'm German and French and English and Irish, you know? And I'm like, why, why do you just keep saying that we're Persian? I don't really understand. I bet like people migrated around. There was something, right? So Mm -hmm. I did a 23andMe to get my own answers. (laughs) And it was so interesting because it's exactly what my mom said. 12,000 years ago like one of my ancestors moved up to Tehran like that area stayed there grew a family 12,000 years like my family has literally been from Tehran in Iran it was just like mind-blowing like nobody else like I don't understand that's like no one traveled in like nothing like that happened so that's a big part of my lineage and and um We've been there for a long time and um I had like the privilege of like having some really cool people in, in my line. Um, so like my, you know, um, the physician who introduced the use of alcohol in um, medicine is like in my lineage. And that's so wow, cool. cool because I got into like herbal mixology, like really early on and like making like medicinal cocktails being like, let's not just you know, drink for the sake of drinking, why don't we make it, make a purpose out of it? And it's like interesting. Cause that's like what my family member did. Yeah. And <laughs> I love finding those connections. That's Isn't great. That, I love it. I love it so much. Cause it's like, we're, we activate parts of ourselves that we're so unconscious of. And I think that's why having the Kasha as a tool, like, um, is so valuable. Cause when we pick these things up, we can kind of go and, like, search around and be like, where does this come from? Or, like, when we need, like, a little jolt of inspiration or something, you know, or, like, what 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 part of my lineage, like, who was in my lineage was, like, really inspired in, in writing or, like, painting or whatnot and what type of paintings that they do. You can just kind of explore in that way. Um, totally. Yeah, but... Um. After my parents met, we introduced another line to our lineage because they were both, um, initiated into a, bhakti yoga practice by a guru, and um, this guru's lineage like dates all the way back to like Krishna. So it's like a really cool thing to be a part of. And now there's like the the spiritual lineage and like the physical lineage, and like that's who I am. Like right at the center of that, I was born with both lineages in hand and tried to make sense of it for most of my life and as um as an iranian hindu like i had to hide the hindu part in iran and when we went to india i had to hide the muslim part when we came to america i had to hide both to feel safe Mm -hmm. so it's just like this tango of trying to like invite that back in And it's, it's been quite difficult, (laughs) but um, we experienced like really horrible loss, you know, about four and a half years ago now. It's hard to tell time. Like, I don't know what time is, No, but since since (laughs) that happened, I know, what is it? Um, Since that happened, it's been, um, I've been really welcoming it back in because I feel like all my insecurities not all of them, that is a lie, but a lot of the insecurities around that (laughs) specifically (laughs) faded because um, I got to know my spirit more and my heart more and what I stand for and now I'm bringing it all in and recently I was connecting to the Hindu side more so than anything because it was uh, fond memories of childhood and with um the Iranian side while we had an amazing family and grandparents and I had like a really great childhood being in that family the country itself like carried so much trauma mm-hmm. and pain for me where I've like kind of like pushed it away but I, i'm realizing i really like earlier in the summer i was like by pushing that away i'm like I don't know like pushing my family away too whom i love mm-hmm. and care for a lot like mike mike when we moved to america um we kept trying to convince my grandparents to come with us my mom's parents and my grandma's like no i was born here and i'm gonna die here like that i i'm gonna go back to being the dirt in iran like that's mm-hmm. what i want to be I'm like yeah. whoa <laughs> that's yeah that's and, a conviction yeah spiritual no, conviction no, in its way yeah like, I came from the dirt, and I'm going to go back to being the Mm -hmm. dirt here. It's pretty
0: cool. Do you still have family over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I I shouldn't even, like, talk about it right now. Who knows? But, like, um, yeah, I I have a family member who moved there, and it's kind of, like, stuck there since this whole revolution thing started. And it's, like, flashbacks again to, like, 80s Iran. Like, you can't get out. And I'm just praying every day that... I don't know, these innocent souls who just, just honestly, like have been the The crazy thing. So resilient. I think it's so resilient because the crazy thing is even with all the brainwashing, even with all the, like the shutting out the rest of the world, the people who live there are so aware of what's happening. Like a lot of them haven't succumbed to it. They've stayed resilient, like, um, and like in fight mode you know mm. they, they'll they always challenge the authority there and that's why we are where we're at it's because they push back like the authority right. there gets frustrated and pushes back to make examples of people just mm. to show everybody that's the way they do it. and it's so manipulative and like i don't know narcissistic it's just we're just going to make examples out of you and that's say totally. you don't have a voice yeah
0: Yeah, it has been heartbreaking and also inspiring to see those, you know, the sort of like joyous displays of protest too, amidst everything. Mm -hmm. And and that resilience is quite frankly, really remarkable. Um, It is. Yeah, well, uplifting all your prayers in this moment for- Thank you.
1: Iran, and I really hope that- The whole world. Yeah, the whole world, we need change. Yeah, on so India, many like everywhere, like Ukraine, everywhere, every single place. I
0: know
1: because we're just humans, like, we're most of us are just normal people who are like just wanting to live, yes, <laughs> and it, like enjoy life in the little pieces that we can. So, exactly, everyone wants the same thing, it's just these like power hungry maniacs who don't want that same thing they they want control and power and it's frightening truly
0: is yeah (laughs) i'm wondering how sort of or maybe i'll share like my my assumption yeah (laughs) i guess my assumption is around the akashic records and the akasha is that you kind of have the ability to tap into this like multi-dimensional layered field of experience Mm -hmm. that is like timeless in a way Mm -hmm. um and if that makes sense to you (laughs) i'm wondering (laughs) how sort of tuning into the akasha can help you in these moments
1: of like overwhelm or yeah well here's the thing um from my understanding, and, like, my biggest understanding is that we'll never know, like, truly what this is that we're doing because it's much bigger than our human bodies, right? Mm. Um, it's much more than we can even put into words. But there's a, there's a certain aspect to it where it's, like, detached from that good or bad or, like, how are you going to help me? like figure this out. The, the one thing that actually has helped me is like, I'll never go in and ask like specifically, how do I feel better or something like that? Cause like life is supposed to be both pain and beauty and all that, you know? Um, but one thing that's helped me is like understanding my place in the universe, like kind of understanding it, but, and how big we are but also how little we are you know like seeing the universe as a whole and how our little tiny part even though it seems so insignificant um plays like a major role in everything it's just like i think it's both both construction and deconstruction that lives within that and i don't think that would necessarily make one feel better but valid more than anything Mm. you know what i mean yeah Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. It it really is an interesting thing because, um, as we know, like everything is made out of energy and it's recycled through space and time and all that stuff. So every time we tune into it, it also changes because energy is constantly evolving and growing and then condensing. And it's, I don't know if there's a way, I don't know. Maybe I'm being pessimistic because as I told Hmm. you, I'm like going through some like really deep stuff right now. So I don't, (laughs) my lens is like, nothing feels good anymore, but (laughs) it's not not true. It's not true though. Everything feels great and bad, you know, but um, yeah, I think, I think the, the, what word am I trying to think of? the intention of going in to try to feel better won't be served as we hope. you know? Right. I don't think that's why we're going in. I think it's mostly about um, deepening our connection, like not only to ourselves, but to everyone around us. I think that's why I personally do. And I know a lot of other people do. Because at the bottom of the seed of the questions that I get, usually they're like bigger, like, you know, this person in my life, this and that, the seed of it is always like, how do I connect with myself and people around more? How can I do this better? Like, how can, how can I feel like I belong and that I'm enough? You know, it's, that's Mm -hmm. always the seed of it. It's always some type of relationship thing or like life thing where we may feel insignificant. um, And we just want to connect deeper with ourselves and the people around us. It's like, right. So maybe that does make people feel better. I don't know. Yeah, I don't
0: know. (laughs) I mean, I think that's, I love the way you answered that question because I do think, um, you know, there's so much um, what I would call spiritual bypassing in this kind of like, like new age, spiritual wellness culture that we have going on right now, um, which isn't helping anyone, you know? Nope, nope. so I really appreciate it. it's like not not avoiding the overwhelm or not trying to make it go away
1: yeah yeah because if we avoid it we're gonna have to face it at some point and at that point it'll grow to I don't know like a level that we might not be able to handle it's gonna be really big and honestly I think that's what's happening to me personally right now is because um after like i went through trauma i tried to like outreach and help other people thinking that i'm also healing myself but it was like too much out out it's it's like an avoidance thing and it mm-hmm. did like like i really did um, i do feel like i went through the whole spiritual bypassing aspect for a long time with unconsciously so i was just like storing stuff and like um then one day when there was silence it became very present and i'm like oh i can't stop crying uh what's happening here I'm like do 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 let's be happy now it's like no it's not stopping this time like the avoidance thing isn't helping anymore and like life is forcing me to finally sit with this pain but now it feels more grand because it's like unknowing where the pain even comes from cuz i avoided it so long ago you know right oh totally so there's no like attachment even to the pain. It's just like pain. <laughs> <you're> mm-hmm. like... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's, there's really something to be said for going through it rather yeah. than going around it or analyzing it, mm-hmm. trying to make it something else. Um, yeah.
1: And it is hard to do in the moment, you know, because mm-hmm. we're not really, when you're hurting, when something's happened, you're not like, aware of how you're healing it. You're just kind of doing whatever you can. And if your habit has been avoidance or like moving through it or for me like being like okay, just be happy, you know, like just do that. Um then you're going to fall into that pattern when it comes to that point. So I think practicing, I <laughs> know it sounds ridiculous, but practicing how we can help ourselves when something bad happens is important too, instead of just practicing how to be happy when we're feeling bad. Maybe when we're feeling good, like looking at all aspects of it, like bringing it all in in a way, not to ruin a good time, but I think that's the whole idea behind like any spiritual teaching is how to live right at the center of it instead of like all the way to the right or left or whatever it is, you know, just being like, there so it's all present at the same time it lives within each other and it's not one or the other you know Mm,
0: totally yeah it's making me think of um the little I know about bhakti yoga which is a devotional Mm -hmm. practice yeah and Mm -hmm. it's I mean when as I was taught um just to study like the religion of bhakti yoga not actually practice it it's very much about like feeling it like
1: embodying yeah the
0: devotional energy
1: it is and you know it's um the whole Bhagavad gita is pretty much a teaching of bhakti yoga mm-hmm. and it's um there's a chapter in it where so the uh, Bhagavad gita is like krishna um going on um writing in like a what do you call it a chariot chariot. yeah a chariot with (laughs) arjuna and they're going to war and their conversation is all around that but there's a point um during the book where um krishna's telling arjuna like you know i'm much bigger than you can see blah blah blah. and arjuna's like why don't you just show me then why don't you just show me what you are and then krishna's like you won't be able to handle it like it's like a lot it's i am everything like not just what you see but i am everything and everything is not always so pretty you know so he and then arjun was like i want to see i want to see so he he reveals himself and at first it's like all this beautiful like scenic stuff from you know the world like beautiful baby animals like whatever you can imagine and all of a sudden like the destruction comes in and like the evil that lives within that and like every I don't know, every dark thing you can imagine. And like Arjuna starts going crazy and he's like, I can't handle it. You know, like stop, like no more. I, I don't want to see anymore. He's like, see, like you're in this human body because like you, like, you're, you live within all that and it all exists at the same time. But your perception, like when you put it on one thing you're ignoring the other and not realizing the the grandioseness of it or whatnot I don't know if that even helps like and I don't even know if I told it correctly I'm like a student of my you know dad who just listens to his stories but (laughs) love it Um, no that was great but that's that's pretty much it it's the feeling of everything and inviting everything into the heart like because the heart is the portal to it all as they believe Mm -hmm. you know Mm. when you when your heart feels it um you bring it into reality in an intentional way.
0: <laughs> mm. It makes me think of that quote that's maybe overused, but I still like it, which is I don't even know who said it originally, but like you're a human being having a spiritual experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that we have limitations as human beings in these mm-hmm. incarnations. And, yeah. It's important to honor them, know what they are. Mm-hmm.
1: And they're a part of the journey. It's not bad to have limitations. Like if yeah. we had it at all, like we wouldn't be able to handle it in this body. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's too much. But once it's already, the body, too much. it is already too <laughs> much. Don't bring any more, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let That's me process good. this. <laughs> totally. I wonder though, you know, like with, um, out of body experiences and stuff, which I've had, I've had two, um, when I, when I was out of my body, I didn't know it and it didn't feel bad. It felt good. But I wonder if there's layers to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. Like, is it just like love and light when you go? like because everyone has the same story but what if like you really go because when you're having an out-of-body thing you're not really gone you know you're still somewhat attached to your body that's why you're able to go back but once you detach like what is that is it just love and light because it doesn't seem like possible in a universe like this that that's all it would be
0: right yeah Yeah. I think about you know people who experience psychosis too like through trauma Um, and kind of the spiritual art of, you know, bringing someone back into their body and back into their soul self. And I think, you know, anyone who experiences trauma knows that we kind of have to spend our lives, like reclaiming those aspects of ourselves that have sort of hidden away or.
1: Yeah. I think about that so you've gone through that where you're like what part of myself do I bring back or I miss that part of myself and yeah maybe I need to awaken it again or there's some healing
0: you know that wants to take place yeah Um, it's like inner child work or something you
1: know yeah it is yeah Mm -hmm. like you bring those those aspects of yourself back it's sweet I wonder though, like, because um, like after experiencing like really big trauma, like PTSD stuff, like everything kind of goes blank in your brain and it's really hard mm. to like grab an idea, you know, yeah. or even a part of who you were and you're not the same person anymore. And I think that's mm-hmm. the huge thing where this is silly. Like this story I want to tell you is silly, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so like Last or a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago, like um, I asked my husband if I could play in his band again. And um, I had played in his band before, uh, you know, four years ago, four and a half years ago. And I hadn't played music since it was like a traumatic thing and trigger warning kind of thing. The the big trauma experience was like losing a child. So it's like, you completely um, change after that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, the world just feels unsafe and everything you knew, like, isn't there anymore. And so music was like a um, direct connection to a past self of mine and going out there and like playing. And then he started playing again. And like, you know, he has a, an album coming out about our daughter who passed and mm-hmm. I was listening to it and I'm like, I really want to play on this album again. And he's like, all right, you can try out for the band. <laughs> I did, yeah, and I got in. Um, Nice, but but the thing is, like, after I started playing, like, all of that freaking trauma and suppression and avoidance in doing something I love and connecting to my past self started pouring in, different than I could ever imagine, and that's kind of what I've honestly been going through. Like, I feel like. I might be in a state of psychosis, who knows? But like, I didn't deal with like saying goodbye to that person I -hmm. was before. And I think that happens to a lot of people who experience this, um, any level like of trauma where it's like it shakes up your life and it changes you. It's Mm -hmm. like, we somehow just like do whatever we can to move forward. And then once we start reconnecting with these past versions of ourselves then we have to feel all that stuff we were avoiding during that time Right. that we were depriving ourselves of in some way, you know? So it mm-hmm. hasn't been easy. I've been like crying every time I play the piano. Now I'm like, like, Whoa, he's like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> Just let me be a uh, psycho for a while. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's good to have an outlet,
0: you know, for those tears yeah. and those emotions. I was thinking, you know, about this time in the Northern hemisphere, we're moving in towards winter basically. And like doing more of that internal work and facing death really. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting in our culture, how we talk about like the transformation of birth and like midwifing a birth, like even metaphorically, like bringing something energetically or physically into the world and what that does for us it's such a big transformation but we don't really talk about midwifing death or and even like actual death and the process of grief and how unsupported that is in our culture yeah but also all the death that we go through as we live our lives and change and transform really drastically over time
1: yeah yeah it's true it's true though because like parts of ourselves are dying like every day you know mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> not to be a total pessimist but it's true and some are chosen some are not but we're we're taught that we have to uphold everything forever and you have to like you know um you have to be a member of society and like do this, that, and that. But sometimes it's hard to do that when you're saying goodbye to like anything really. Um, and you know, the greatest quote I learned while grieving, um, was that grief is just love without a physical place to go. So -hmm. it's like the love that you connected to the, that part of yourself or someone else or your animal friend or whatnot that amount of love you held in your heart no longer you physically cannot see where it would go so you're holding on to it without a reciprocating aspect right so so it's painful and when we do that to ourselves when there's this whole maybe ego death or you know death a past version of ourselves like possibly like maybe that's what's happening too it's like that that part of you that you're holding in your heart no longer has like an outlet to go to. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's heavier and like, um, and even like more difficult to define in a way, because then you're not, you don't know where it's coming from.
0: Right. Yeah. It doesn't have a home.
1: It's yeah. really beautiful.
0: Thank you for sharing that quote. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah. I wish I remembered who said it.
0: <laughs> I know I'm terrible with that. Me
1: too.
0: Gotta get better. Gotta get better. You guys Google and find it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, do you have any practices that are important for you around this time of year or you know, moving moving towards winter? It could be yeah, anything that like is traditional
1: or just personal. Absolutely, thank you. One of, the, um, one of my most favorite practices is starting to connect more with ancestors during this time. And in the Persian tradition, like what, what we do is um, as like the nights get shorter and shorter, we, we do bring in our ancestors and like more abundance so that we feel full and complete during this time, like with certain fruits or whatnot. But on the darkest night of the year, um, people have like a really big party and try to stay up all night so that they can experience the darkness like fully, like you'll sit around and eat like um, pomegranates, which is actually on a cellular level, good for like DNA restructuring <laughs> and healing. Cool. But um, it makes sense during that time, you know, but it's, it's, it's a, a symbol for life um, and rebirth and the continuation of and they read like Hafez poems and just talk and just be together. Because when there's darkness, like we feel dark within us. Mm-hmm. So when when we bring in the opposite of that, like people we love and, you know, some light and um, inspiration with poetry, then we feel full in that we can continue forth in the darkness. Um, this time around this this year and the past like four years, um, I've gotten really, really into connecting as much as I can with loved ones who've passed um, from the tradi- you know, from, uh, Mexican traditions. I loved, I love the, um, South American tradition of Afrenas of and, um, we, we went there right after my daughter passed and it just, it rejuvenated me in a way that I didn't mm-hmm. think was possible. And um, yeah, it was so healing. So I adopt like a version of my own version because I'm not from that lineage, and I'm you know I'm an impostor. But <laughs> I bring in my family, my family photos, and talk to them, and offer marigolds. And I've started growing marigolds all over my house, so I can just do that this time of year. Nice. And yeah, it's I think it's just a time for connection. To answer your question in a long way. Oh, I <laughs> like, love it clean the house bring in the family and connect with whatever you whatever makes you feel good <laughs> yeah
0: it's so true it's like so important to um fortify your spirit during these times
1: yeah you know mm-hmm. they say you know the, the veil is very thin this time of year and I mm-hmm. I believe it and it's scientifically been proven you know where everyone's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know, the atmosphere does like thin around this time of year. The veil is literally thin and um, our connection to the spirit world and even like past lives of ourselves is really um, prominent and strong. So taking advantage of that, I think like feeds our soul in a way, you know, it's just like, it brings you back to that natural state and the essence that you are. So you can continue forth in this human body that can like i don't know endure all the pain like it gives inspiration behind it all totally yeah balancing it out yeah
0: (laughs) super important especially nowadays yeah
1: i know like how do you feel this time of year do you feel like it changes for you like it becomes different Mm, yes definitely i
0: think it's so important. I definitely notice the i'm I'm a Leo Sun, so summer is like um, a very outward time for me. Mm-hmm. And that moment when the equinox happens, it's like, okay, I get to come yeah. back, <laughs> pull my energy back in um, and just resource myself in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's super important to honor the darkness yeah uh, and that's a big part of my practice is just being in the darkness and yeah listening to what comes up when we're in darkness and yeah just being open really yeah and quiet feels
1: very important you're right it, it does feel like a the perfect time to be quiet
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's
1: so much like medicine in that where you're just like silent and that's why I love meditating it's just I don't want to talk right now
0: (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) you know (laughs) can I ask you
1: about um your practice with clients yeah of course I mean you know I stopped taking clients but I shouldn't say stopped because then I'll get like this urge like um, to connect with people and do readings and it happens like maybe twice a year or something we're all outreach I'm like I'm doing readings right now for a short period of time but then it's like as you know like with clients and readings it get it, it gets overwhelming and when you're going through your personal stuff it's just like I, I don't want to output in that way for you I want it to be I want to be a clear channel and not like in the way with my own mind and stuff whatsoever totally so yeah, I, I do it like every couple of years. But I I realized that my passion is to truly show people how to do it themselves. Like that's what I really want to do because it empowers people and makes them realize that they're much greater than we are. And I think going to a reader is awesome too because every single reader has a different perspective and will give you a different angle at um at the big piece puzzle piece that you're looking at and Mm -hmm. that's awesome um but you have to be in like a good mental like state to be able to do that i think um but these days i've just been Taking people through my practice really and teaching them what I do and how to find their own practice so that it can resonate with them and give them the value that they personally need. Because we're all so different, it can't be Mm -hmm. like this is the way to do it and that's it. Yeah. So (laughs) we we do like a lot of like um, inner energy work, and I spent a lot of time down in the root chakra, um, and it's really. Like, as we talked about a little bit earlier, it's, like, inner child work for a really long time until Mm -hmm. you're able to, like, hold them. And it's not for everybody because some people have experienced, like, really big trauma that this will not help with. But it's for people... because I, I don't have that lens, like that training to be able to do it for people who have experienced a lot of trauma there. But mm-hmm. for people who haven't, um, it's a lot easier and a great foundational place to stay. And then, um, you know, we just move up the energy centers. But my favorite thing to do is to um, focus on each energy center so that we know how to activate it. Because I think there's something so powerful like right now i'm going to call in you know my heart and my throat and that's that energy is going to connect me to the akasha because that's what we're really doing we're activating those two aspects of self to connect to the akasha but my personal practice um is much different these days um when like uh, an astrologer who pretty much gave us the forecast of what our trauma was going to be or whatnot. Like not in a way that we even asked him, he, he didn't want to. And we didn't really understand it at the time either. But anyway, um, after we lost our daughter, we went back to him and asked him, you know, how can I heal myself? How can I do this or that? And he's looking at at my chart and he's like, well, you're supposed to like, you know, like be some type of a spiritual like, bridge kind of thing you're supposed to give information about the spiritual aspect and the, like a teacher of some sort I'm like okay i really want to learn ayurveda he's like no no, no not like that it's something else but it'll mm-hmm. present itself and it's really the akasha thing that presented itself um but he said if i want to strengthen that that aspect of me i have to meditate at 4am every day and then that's what i've been doing so I'll wake up at four a.m. Luckily I have a a toddler who wakes me up no matter what. <laughs> your own alarm clock. Yeah, he's 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 my he's my teacher or like my I don't know, what do you call it, coach, I guess, who's yeah. <laughs> like, time to get up. All right, put me back to bed, go do your thing, and then <laughs> we'll meet <Love> again. <laughs> so I wake up and meditate every day. And um even if I'm in bed, I make sure to just check in with that part of myself because i I, it's it i really think it makes our spirits stronger when we do that Mm -hmm. and not everyone has to do it at 4 a.m it's just what was told to me so i i do that but i try to at least meditate every day and that's the only practice that i take seriously
0: anymore i love that (laughs) that's so great i love what you said about you know helping people define find their own practice because mm-hmm. I think that for me is like one of the core sort of principles of witchcraft if you could say that I think yeah. you know witchcraft and magic is such a personal practice yeah. and you can read all the books and try so many different things but it's not going to resonate until you put your own kind of authentic soul essence into it
1: yeah absolutely and this is where like the Akasha comes in too because um within that frequency you can explore the past versions of yourself and how you connected magically before how your intention intention was developed how how all that happened you can bring that in and like bring in aspects of like your lineage and DNA. And if you don't know your lineage and DNA, whatever you're gravitating towards, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think there, the that's where the true magic lives because there are literally parts of us within our DNA that can be activated through a familiar practice, you know, because your body knows what it is. So when you bring that in, it's just like, oh, that's magic. I get it and a lot of like to go back to the whole lineage thing and even magic and what it means like it, it didn't become real for me until i started connecting to my lineage and learning about like the persian magi who are like in my lineage and how they practice and what they did and um and how i can do that in my own way too mm. you know yeah that's beautiful It's cool. And I I know everybody has a story like that where everyone is from this planet and everyone around this planet has someone in their lineage who connected to their intuition or, you know, um, built the way they use their intention. So you just go as inward as you can, really, instead of outward. That's Mm -hmm. I think that's the real practice is how deep within myself can I go where I can recognize these aspects of me (laughs) and what Mm -hmm. makes my unique imprint in this world right now because we are so unique like no one there aren't even twins like (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) so true yeah
0: yeah I think it's that I don't know if you've had it sounds like you've had this experience but that (laughs) sense of oh I remember this even if you're like learning about it for the first time it just feels yeah. like oh yes I know
1: this for some reason it feels so familiar homecoming. Yeah. yeah it's a homecoming for sure that's really how I felt when I first started learning about the Akashic records and just when I first started learning about it though like this is at a time and that's not so long ago or anything like I'm not trying to like pretend like it's been forever but um, it was at a time where it wasn't as popular and there was like two YouTube channels and like one book and like <laughs> like a couple like articles online which was just like really confusing. And like, what the heck does that even mean? Like way new agey and no offense to anyone who believes in that stuff. Like everyone's free to believe whatever they want, but I had a hard time connecting to it. And I found myself just like, learning about it and repeating information that i learned without attachment or or understanding of what i was saying and it wasn't until i actually connected with my spirit lineage and my you know physical lineage that i understood what it was that i was doing so now it feels like um i'm teaching it from like a different lens but the way I perceive it. And it's not what everyone else is saying or doing or whatnot, you know, so it feels really good and authentic. And it only took me looking at myself, knowing that this is something my soul is connected to, but looking at myself and going deeper within so that, I you know, we can bring in that, um, that perspective in a way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think you know, part of what Modern Witches takes very seriously is like creating spaces that, where we can talk about cultural appropriation and not be culturally appropriative. And I think there is really something to be said for going where your soul calls you to go, exploring different practices and cultures from a place of respect, reverence, Yep. And also from a place of like being rooted in your own experience and perspective. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you've really been walking that journey. So
1: thank, thank you. you for sharing it. It's really lovely to thank hear. You. Thank you. I'm doing my best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all we can do. Keep yeah. Learning.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep Learning. Yeah. yeah. And rest. Resting and learning. You don't have to learn all the time.
0: (laughs) Mm, Talk about the medicine of the moment. Rest.
1: Yeah. 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 You don't have to keep going, you know? Mm -mm. No. Take it easy sometimes. Sit and cry, okay? (laughs) Yes. Cry. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think like one of the toxic things I've been noticing lately is this narrative of like consistency, like showing up consistently? Can't. It's like,
1: really? Is that possible? <laughs> it's really not. All it leads to is burnout and resentment. Like, yeah. You know, a lot of the things that people are teaching is like in so many different worlds, but people just connect themselves to an idea, they repeat it, another person sees it and repeats it. And that's all that just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. But we're not all built the same and we're not all built to do the same things. And a lot of times the things that don't feel right, especially with consistency, cause everyone like, like yourself, like being a business owner, like online or something like that, or having, you know, a community that you are like navigating with, like consistency mm-hmm. can kill you and like overwhelm them too. Like, yeah. why, why don't we give ourselves like some rest? that when we do show up it's like authentic and it makes everyone it, it it's medicine for everyone rather than like bam 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 well because with like the social media stuff it's like you got to post Oof. all the time so that you stay relevant and like you stay in people's faces so they remember you and like there's a the whole toxic thing where it's like people don't buy from you unless they see you seven times so like keep posting the mm-hmm. same it's like oh exhausting too much <laughs> way too much Yeah.
0: I know it's been, yeah. So, so too much, so toxic. And I feel like, I don't know, Modern Witches is going through its own transformation and we're not doing a big gathering this year, um, which is exciting (laughs) and sad. (laughs) Like I'm sad that we're not gathering, but at the end of the day, we needed to really rest in order to come back and be able to provide the same. Support and um, holding that we have been. So
1: that's great. Yeah. I'm so excited to see where it goes. Me How too. Wonderful. Happy for you. Thank you. That's a you. big decision. I know it's. It was a big decision,
0: and I'm feeling. It's you know almost October, yeah. and I'm feeling really good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: so happy for you.
0: <laughs> I will miss being with everyone and learning together. But honestly, I think, um, yeah, it's the year to rest. So
1: good. It really is. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, if, if we don't do it, life will force us, you know, totally. So why not make it intentional?
0: <laughs> yes. And there's so many big changes we're all navigating. And that really takes a lot of energy. So yeah.
1: even just looking at the news takes energy, you know. I know we're already so depleted. Yeah. Like, what a wise decision to make. You're just like, oh, you know, not this year, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I feel
0: good to be like on the other side of that threshold, having made the decision. But um, yeah,
1: yeah, we'll see I'd, where it takes us. I bet it was tough, like coming that because very tough expectations and
0: yeah Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a badass thing to do
0: thanks (laughs) yeah I think I have like a Pluto transit to to thank as well but (laughs) um you know yeah we're collaborating we're collaborating yeah
1: (laughs) take what comes you know yeah yeah.
0: exactly (laughs) well I am so glad that we had this conversation and I'm so excited to see what our listeners think and if they have any questions drop them here um drop them somewhere we can see them email us (laughs) um we'd love to hear from everyone and thank you so much Rohini this has been really nourishing for me
1: thank you so much Casey it's also been nourishing for me it's like Always an honor to sit with you. You're so wonderful. Thanks for oh, Likewise.
0: Me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>